Next on PIJN News, Dr. Chaps reports on these important issues. What is the gospel of Jesus Christ? What is prayer and how does it help facilitate revival in our churches? And for that matter, what is revival? We're gonna interview David Ford Evangelist right now. Former Navy Chaplain Gordon James Klingenschmidt took a stand to defend religious freedom by daring to pray publicly in Jesus' name. Now he helps you by reporting the news, discerning the spirits, and praying the scriptures. Would you pray with us? Here's Dr. Chaps. God bless you in Jesus' name. My name is Chaplain Gordon James Klingenschmidt, Dr. Chaps, and you're watching PIJN News. On this show, we normally like to report the news, we discern the spirits, and we pray the scriptures in Jesus' name. But today we have a celebrity interview with a global evangelist, David Ford. He is a preacher for the gospel of Jesus Christ, ordained Southern Baptist minister, but preaches in many, many crusades for many denominations around the world. We are so fortunate to have him live via Skype, joining us today from Georgia. Welcome to the program, David Ford. Thank you, Dr. Chaps. Good to be with you all today. So David, you are an evangelist for Jesus Christ. You're not a pastor, you're not a teacher, you are actually an evangelist. I mean, you've held outdoor crusades and tent meetings. When I think of somebody that, you know, everyone's familiar with Billy Graham, but you are sort of called along that same vein. Talk to us for a moment about what you preach. What is the gospel of Jesus Christ? Brother, the beauty of the gospel of Jesus in simple terms is simply this, that God takes all the bad that I am on himself on the cross and Jesus and gives me all the good that he is. It's a great exchange of all my sin debt for all that Jesus is, based on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in fact, I was trained at the Billy Graham organization years ago, and that was an honor to be there in Minneapolis. And uh, so it's telling the world the good news. I, I, I'm an errand boy, taking the good news of freedom, of redemption, of new life found only in Jesus. And I travel all over the world to do that. Well, you are based in Phoenix, Arizona. I know th this month you've already been preaching in Alabama, in Louisiana, Mississippi. Right now you're in Georgia, but you've also right. been around the world. I see on your resume you've preached in everywhere from South Korea to South Africa. Yes. What keeps you going? You know, a couple of things drive me in, the, in this ministry of evangelism. Number one, it's the love of Jesus Christ. I guess all I can say is I know from where I come from, and I know that Jesus has transformed my life, and that the Word says God so loved the world that He gave us one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him, and many say, well, I've done too much, or I've committed adultery, or it doesn't mean me. God said whoever. That means all of us. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So it's the love of God that constrains me on the one hand. On the other hand, it's, it's the reality of a literal hell. That there's no expiration date at the end of hell. It is forever. And you know, on a person's gravestone, every one of us, it's going to have the markings born with the date, a dash, and then the date of your death. And all that life is, the Bible says it's a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Our life, Dr. Chaps, is that one little dash. And what we do with Jesus determines where we spend eternity. And so that's what drives me. It's the indwelling love of Christ in me and the reality of hell. And thirdly, it's the Great Commission 
to go into all the world and preach the good news of Jesus Christ to the world. That's what drives me on. So I assume you believe the Bible is the inerrant, infallible Word of God. Is that correct? Yes, sir. From as they say, from the contents to the maps, <laughs> <laughs> from cover to from, from cover to cover. And I challenge anyone to prove it wrong. If they don't agree with it, doesn't make it doesn't make it wrong because they don't agree with it. They seem to change their view, prove it wrong. I, you know, I challenge folks to do that. They can't. I couldn't. So. You got started at a very young age. You were three years old when you sang your first solo. I assume it was in church. And then at seven yeah. years old, you gave your life to Jesus Christ. Do you remember that event? I remember both of them very clearly. And I also remember the dirt inside of the old microphone at three years old. As I looked into that microphone, my dad held me in his arms. And I don't know what I sang now, but something there in church. It was actually in Oxnard, California. I mean, uh, Nixa, California is where that took place. And, and uh, then seven years old in southern Mississippi, in McNeil, Mississippi, I sat in the back of the church, and that's where I learned the Holy Spirit works in the back of auditoriums. And uh, God got a hold of my heart, and I, I knew I was a religious sinner, chaps. My daddy was a preacher. I was in church every Sunday, every time the doors were opened. But I was overwhelmed with a sense I was religious, but I didn't know Jesus. I didn't know him. I hadn't received him. And God overwhelmed my life and, and saved me at seven. At 17, called me to preach. That's in Mississippi. And that was a turnaround in my life. May 28, 1978, in McNeil, Mississippi, when Jesus transformed my life and called me into the ministry. And everything changed from that day on. I'll never forget that night. So you were a confirmed bachelor. You never did get married. Right. Right. But you consider yourself part of the bride of Christ. It's almost like we are the church and Jesus is our husband in a, in a mystical sense. Sure. So sure. what do you tell people about salvation? How, do you, how does somebody give their life to Christ? What does that mean? You know, what happens in a person's life is they come to the point in their life when they realize they can't do it themselves. They've tried everything else and yet, when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. There's a debt and there's a guilt of my sin that I couldn't erase. I couldn't get inside of me and clean out my spirit from the junk of my heart and life. I like what one man said years ago, that Jesus didn't come to make bad men good. He came to make dead men live. And the reason why people don't have peace and rest is because they're dead on the inside. You can't have peace where there's death. And so Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And so when I came to faith in Jesus, and by the way, the resurrection of Jesus Christ makes all the difference in the world. No other religion teaches a resurrection of the leader, of the founder of that, of, that, of that religion. Jesus said, I'm the son of God to prove it. I'm going to rise from the dead. But here's the beauty of that that changed my life. I said years ago, I said, Lord, it's wonderful that you rose from the dead, but why is that so powerful? Why is that so Why is the gospel so powerful? And God began to show me and teach me that the gospel of Jesus Christ was not only the only message of deliverance, it's the only method of deliverance. And what that means is this, is that when I come to faith in Jesus Christ, positionally, Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ. Jesus took me and all my sin with him to the cross of Calvary. And what he did was he dethroned my old nature. He crucified my old nature and then gave me his new nature. So there's a great exchange. That's what salvation really is. It isn't me trying to copy a Jesus that lived 2,000 years ago. It's Jesus who's resurrected, coming into my life by his spirit, 
making my dead spirit alive to God and transforming everything. He gave me new life, not a refabricated old life. And so I come to him. I say, God, I'm through with my sin. I'm tired of my sin. I come to you, Lord Jesus. You rose again because you see in the resurrection, there's the power to cleanse away my past. Everybody wants that. I don't know of anybody I've ever met in my life that doesn't want the forgiveness of their past. Through the resurrection of Jesus is the power to cleanse my past. Secondly, it's the power to correct my present. He gives me the Holy Spirit, his spirit, to live in me, making me alive to God where I was mm-hmm. dead before. And, uh, and so by faith, I said, I'm tired of my sin. I turn from it in Jesus. I turn and place my faith in you, the son of the living God. And Jesus suddenly and instantly transformed my life. And I've seen him, I've seen him chaps do it thousands and thousands of times all over the world. It's powerful to see the gospel at work. Now, David, I know there's somebody watching and we're past the time when we're gonna go to a commercial here, but somebody's watching right now and they are listening to your words and they maybe have put themselves in your shoes and they see the guilt in their own life, the sins, the past, the things that keep them awake or, or convict them and make it really hard for them to connect with God. How would you lead them in prayer? If that person was watching you right now, could you lead them and, and say a few words of prayer that would lead them to help transform that part of their life? I'd be glad to look at me those of you watching right now, I want you to know that Jesus loves love you as you are, not as you ought to be. And if you'll call on his name, he'll save you. Would you do that with me right now? Because the Bible says that we're made right with God by faith and we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? Oh God, I need you. Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. I'm tired of running my life. I come to you, Jesus, by faith. I receive you into my life right now to be my God, my Lord, my Redeemer, my Forgiver, my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me of my sin and coming into my life. And I'll serve you the rest of my life by your grace. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. If you just prayed with David Ford, I want you to pick up the phone and call our prayer line, 866-Obey-God. Again, that's 866-O-B-E-Y-G-O-D. We do have people standing by to take your calls. And if you don't get through, then please leave a message. We will call you back because we want to pray with you to confirm your decision for Jesus Christ. Amen. We're gonna take a short break. When we come back, we're gonna ask David about prayer and then about revival in the church. This is PIJN News, defending your religious freedom. Dr. Chaps will be right back. How can you discern the thoughts in your own mind from the thoughts that come to you from the Holy Spirit or from angels or from invisible demons? I'm Dr. Chaps. And you've seen us on this show talk about the gift of discerning of spirits. Maybe you know that I wrote my PhD dissertation entitled How to See the Holy Spirit and Angels and Demons. And it's all about this important topic of receiving the gift of discerning of spirits. 
How can you discern the thoughts that come to you? How do you know to learn to hear the voice of God and discern that from the demonic voice which tempts us to sin? Well, this is an important skill and it will change your ministry. It'll change your life, which is why we've created now not just a book, but a 17-part video Bible study on a four-disc DVD set that we would like to send to you and your church and your family and your small group. This important Bible study series goes through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. How did Jesus discern the spirits? How did the Apostle Paul discern the spirits? What does the Old Testament say about demons and the Holy Spirit and angels? When you learn to discern, it will transform your life and your ministry. Please visit our website, PrayInJesusName.org, and get this important video resource. Or call us toll-free at 866-ObeyGod, and for a suggested donation of $99, we'll give you the entire 17-part Bible study series for just $99. And if you order today, we'll throw in the book for free. Visit our website, PrayInJesusName.org, or call us toll-free at 866-ObeyGod. Get this important Bible study series for your family. Call today. Empowering you, the grassroots activist. Here is Dr. Chaps. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Chaps. I'm joined again via Skype with David Ford, the evangelist. His website is globeforchrist.com. Welcome back to the program, David. Thank you. Good to be here. So, David, you have been a man of prayer, and I also want to say that you're a fantastic singer. I have heard you sing and you have a deep baritone voice and, and you really inspire people with leading worship before you minister the preaching of the Bible. But there's also this other concept of prayer and fasting. I know you are a man of prayer. You have experienced revival. Talk to us for a moment about how prayer is integral in the preaching of the gospel. I believe that all preaching should be done in the spirit of prayer. <laughs> and so when a man ascends a pulpit, I love that George Whitfield is an example of that. I'm writing a book now on George Whitfield, hopefully to be out in the spring. But Whitfield used to stand before he would ever preach and not say a word. One man asked him once, he said, why do you just stand and not say anything before you preach? He said, because I'm waiting for divine assistance to come upon me. I believe prayer is the fuel that fuels the preaching of the pulpit. And no man, as Raven Hill said, no man is greater than his prayer life. D.M. Panton defined prayer like this. He said, prayer is God the Spirit talking to God the Father in the name of God the Son, and the believer's heart is his prayer closet. And so the secret of intercessory prayer or petition prayer is learning as a believer how to abide in Christ. True Christianity isn't me trying to copy the Jesus that lived 2,000 years ago. It's Jesus living his life in you and I, the life that he is. As a believer with Jesus living in me, Christianity is his deity clothed with my humanity. That's Christianity. And so as we abide in him, like John 15 says, and we begin to know the motions and the movings and the promptings of the Holy Spirit because of our union with Christ, he gave us the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, and uh, prayer is alive. Prayer is the holy of holies. Prayer is the glory of God. Prayer, uh, revival, the spirit of revival is the spirit of prayer. And so 
when God wants to intend a mighty moving of his spirit in revival, he sets his people to praying. But brokenness is crucial in that. Before there's ever the agony of prayer, before there's ever the travailing of prayer, and I believe one of the reasons why I've never been married, uh, and I'd love to someday in the will of the Lord, but the reason I've never been married is the calling of my life to be alone with God in, in, in prayer, of seeking his face for a move of God in this nation and for a great awakening. But, but chaps, brokenness is the key. Brokenness is the response of humility to the conviction of God. And it's getting down before God saying, oh God, you're the creator, I'm the created. I love the story Adrian Rogers shared with me years ago in his study. I said, Pastor Rogers, there was a time in your life when there was a, uh, some kind of some brokenness that took place, you're on a football field or something. He said, well, yes, it was a turning point young in my ministry. He said, David, I just felt the need to get on my face. I was in the middle of a big high school football field. And he said, I got down on my face, on my knees, first of all, and I felt that wasn't low enough. And he said, I got down on my face and I felt that wasn't low enough. He said, I took my finger and I dug a hole through the grass into the dirt. And I stuck my nose down into that dirt. And he said, oh God, I can't get any lower than this before your throne. He said there was a turning point in my ministry at that point. Everywhere I preached after that, people would sit and weep in audiences. And so the way up is down. The way to see the resurrection power is through crucifixion. Sometimes you want to jump before we've ever known the brokenness of the cross of Calvary. When I asked God years ago, I said, God, I'm tired of hearing about revival. I want to see revival. I was watching an interview of Mike Tyson on television. And the interviewer asked Mike Tyson, Mike, are you going to win this fight? He said, I won't be denied. And the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. He said, David, do you want revival like he wants that fight? I said, oh, Lord, I don't know if I do, but oh, God, I'm willing to be made willing. Do whatever you need to do in me. He called me on a fast instantly. On the 10th night, in the middle of the night, at about 2.05 in the morning, God met me. God filled me. All I could do was cry, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Three days later, I received a phone call from a pastor to come to his church. All I can say is revival broke out of me from four days into four weeks, every single night. I didn't preach half the time because the glory of God would just sit down like a hovercraft on that place. They began streaming down the aisles. Place after place, a place after that, went to another church, and they said to come. It was a church in Arizona as well. Where the very first Sunday morning, God sat down in the house. It went four months of revival in that church. And so there's no shortcuts to a move of God. It's brokenness. Revival is a community saturated with the presence of God. Amen. Revival, Duncan Campbell said, was like God stepping down amongst a community and transforming the whole community. Amen. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to pick up on that theme. What exactly is a revival of Jesus Christ? Giving you a megaphone in Washington, D.C. Dr. Chaps will be right back. Do you care about defending religious liberty? I know you do. And that's why I'm asking you to take action today. Don't just sit there, but do something. Visit our website, PrayInJesusName.org, and sign a petition that we will fax to Congress on your behalf. In fact, there are three specific petitions I want you to sign to defend military chaplains who are under fire. The first is to support H.R. 343. This is a bill introduced in Congress by my friend, Congressman Walter Jones of North Carolina, to protect free speech for military chaplains who are sometimes punished if they use the word Jesus in their prayers. Well, if you know my story, you know that I was punished in 2006 
even at court martial, because I used the word Jesus in my prayers in uniform in front of the White House. Well, I was later vindicated by Congress who said it's okay for me to do that. But did you know 65 other chaplains are now suing the Navy? I was not the only person. Our second petition I want you to sign is to protect military chapel buildings, which are being desecrated. Christian altars, Catholic or Protestant, are being desecrated by homosexual wedding ceremonies in all 50 states under this order by the Obama administration. Well, that deprives all of our soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines of a sacred worship space, which ought to be protected. And instead, they're gonna punish the chaplain if he won't turn over the keys to his chapel. Here's another petition I want you to sign, and this is to stop threatening court-martial for troops who talk about Jesus. Even recently, the Pentagon is saying, oh, we're gonna threaten you with a crime of proselytizing. No, that's not right. Any soldier ought to be able to talk about his or her faith in Jesus Christ and to have that same religious freedom of speech that we sacrifice to give for others. When you sign these petitions, we will fax them to Congress, and it's free. I want you to take action today. Sign these three important petitions at PrayInJesusName.org. Go there today. He is the intersection of church and state. Here is Dr. Chaps. Welcome back. I'm joined again for one last segment. David Ford, thank you so much for preaching the gospel, for being so faithful, for teaching us about prayer. And I know this is not just people persuading other people to think differently, but this is a divine encounter where God steps into the pulpit with you. Have you felt him in the pulpit when you're preaching, just like you felt him come on you after you had prayed and fasted for 10 days? Oh yes, definitely, uh, all the time, all the time. Uh, there's such a sense of, I, there's a verse in Isaiah that says, that God says, my glory shall be your canopy. And there's a great sense of that, I seek that, I seek that from the Lord, as any preacher I think should, that God, that you would attend and fill me and clothe me with power from on high as I stand to preach your word. And the beauty of it is, is you come to the point you realize that your own words won't change anybody. It's the power of the gospel, the power of the word itself, and the power of the Holy Spirit upon an audience, upon a people. But chaps, there's nothing like seeing tears streaming down faces and audiences all over the world. Not because of me, it's not me. It's the spirit of the living God. Um, but prayer is the precursor to all of that. And that's the beauty of seeing God transform marriages, churches, families, homes. In that church where we saw revival break out, went four months in that church. Five drug houses around the church closed down in the days of revival. Wow. You see, when God comes in revival to a church or a town, an area, the whole atmosphere of the area is changed. And there's the moving and conviction and drawing of the Holy Spirit in the homes of the people, drawing them to Jesus. In fact, we found in those four months, the more we prayed for other churches in the area, the more God blessed the revival. People so would let's, come to, let's talk about that for a second. This idea of revival. Right. And I first became acquainted, I think, by reading the lectures of Charles Finney, the yes. great evangelist from the 1800s yeah. who led the Second Great Awakening, led right. 500,000 souls to Jesus Christ on horseback and right. preaching in open air meetings or in taverns or in churches without the aid of public microphones. But right. he wrote lectures on revival and he talked about this idea of revival in the churches. What does that mean? You've been in the middle of some of these. Talk about, for example, the Brownsville revival or some of the other 
meetings that you've been in where entire communities are transformed when people give their lives to Jesus Christ. Right. Chaps, it's directly related to the manifest presence of God. It's directly related to the manifest presence of God. There's the omnipresence of God, that God is everywhere present. We all know that. And we all believe that. There's what the old saints used to call the cultivated presence of God, where you have your time in the Word, a quiet time in Scripture every day, a personal prayer time. But the manifest presence of God is a whole different thing. When God comes in His manifest presence among a body of believers, be it at Wheaton College in 1970, years later, uh, as well in, in, in the early 90s, and other Christian universities around the country, when God comes in His manifest presence, He takes, as it were, 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. we all know it, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Now, that is a prescription of revival, but Dr. Chats, it's also a description of revival. When God comes in His manifest presence, there's weeping, there's brokenness, and those four things begin taking place in a church and a community. And so evangelism doesn't, it ceases to being I have to, to I want to. It's an overflow of an indwelling work of Jesus Christ in a person's heart. I was speaking at Liberty University a few years ago, and uh, twice, once when Dr. Fowler was alive and then later, both times, chaps, while I'm preaching, the manifest presence of God was so heavy, they began coming out of their seats to the arena floor, flooding the floor, weeping, broken, crying out to God wow. in agony of soul. I was in a church not long ago, a pastor sitting halfway back, while I'm preaching, became so convicted, he literally, it was a Baptist church, he literally cried out to God for mercy. That was on Tuesday night. That man was saved Tuesday night. Saturday night, the same thing with the lady way over to my left. So when God comes in revival, there's such conviction that I'm not right with God and I'm going to get right with God. And there's nothing new under the sun what Finney preached about brokenness and prayer and repentance or Whitfield or Wesley or whoever it was is still true today. Amen. Well. Pastor, uh, we have just literally about 30 seconds left. Would you lead us in prayer for that kind of revival in our churches in America? Oh, oh yes. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you and I praise you for the grace of coming before you. And Lord, you said, when I see the blood, I will hover, I will pass over you. So Lord, I pray, show us and guide us what it means to walk in the light and to be honest with you about our true condition before you. We need revival. We need a great awakening in America. We need a mighty living of your spirit. So God, pour out your spirit on this land and bring us back to you in a fresh way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Sir, I discern upon you the spirit of Almighty God, and I pray that spirit. revival changes America. Globeforchrist.com is his website. Thanks to Evangelist David Ford. Our website is PrayInJesusName.org. If you need prayer, call us at 866-ObeyGod. We'll see you next time. Chaplain Klingenschmidt is a graduate of the U.S. Air Force Academy who earned his Ph.D. in theology from Regent University. As a former Navy chaplain, by taking a public stand for freedom of speech and religious expression, and by sacrificing his own 16-year career and million-dollar pension, he was vindicated by the U.S. Congress, who changed the law and restored freedom for military chaplains to pray in Jesus' name. Dr. Chaps not only defended the Constitution, but his petitions have helped change the law in 10 states, restoring freedom to pray in Jesus' name.
Dr. Chaps needs your financial support to stay on the air. Would you please send your best donation today? Please visit PrayInJesusName.org to donate online. Or you can mail a check to Pray In Jesus Name Ministries, Post Office Box 77077, Colorado Springs, Colorado 80970. You can also call us toll free right now at 866-Obey-God. That's 866-O-B-E-Y-G-O-D. Please sign up for our free emails at PrayInJesusName.org. Again, that's PrayInJesusName.org. 